The Commander Crush Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 37. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, creativity and community of the primarily a favorite format of Commander plus the side serving of entertainment, pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm of course one of your hosts Sam. I'm not joined by Cheshire this week. He did something to his back, bruised it. I don't know, jumping off top ropes, doing whatever. Anyway, not important because as always we're uh, we we well, pretty much always these days, but we're joined by a, uh, a guest and our guest profiles are uh, with the community and creators have become a place to share and explore the essence of Commander, why we play in an effort to promote and celebrate those. We're uh, we're joined by Brainstorm Brewery co-host, Magic Finance aficionado, master of the metaphor, it's Douglas Johnson, aka DJ. How you doing, dude? What's been, what's been going on? I am good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I will say that's an honorable way to... Uh to bow out for a week is uh, some sort of physical injury. Um, in in addition to those list of things, I am. Uh, <laughs> I also train parkour, which is one of the oh, interesting really? things that I yes. Uh, you know, someone asked me what parkour was the other day because they're like, "Oh, I thought it's just a thing they made up on the office." I'm like, "Oh, really? You're kidding? Is that just YouTube parkour?" <laughs> no. Uh, do, do you know the origin of the sport? Uh, not particularly. I mean, I know, I, I know it's a noble art and like the, it's, I mean, what's the difference between parkour and free running? Are they the same thing? So parkour is mainly used for efficiency of movement. It is mostly yes. focused on how you can get from point A to point B, uh, in sort of a streamlined and efficient fashion, uh, safely and effectively. And free running is uh, sort of that, but what if we added unnecessary tricks and flips and just cool stuff? Yeah. Uh, yep, not, yep, th- yep. not not that there's anything bad with that per se. Um, it's it's just fun. Like free running is d- just uh, a lot more of personal flair mm-hmm. and just uh, pushing it's the limits tricks. on yeah. what yeah what what you can do and not, whether or not you should. Um, yeah. The the history of parkour, which you did not expect to tune into this podcast for, is it was it was created in the 1800s by French firefighters who what? needed to scale buildings to reach people effectively. In like like obviously 18th century or 19th century France was uh, a bit of like a just a clusterfuck of. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm. A, I don't know if that's my one PG thirteen F word or not. But oh um, no, go nuts! I forgot to preface that. That's um. I, it's usually Chesh going nuts with the uh the the F and the C bombs. But yeah, I, I blow those. If, if you can just nuts. picture like the the smoke cloud that is nineteenth century Paris and uh, what would happen yeah. if like a Chicago style fire broke out in. <laughs> in the middle of the city like you have um people who need to like scale those railings and buildings and uh balconies and whatnot to reach people effectively without that level of technology so uh that's p- french firefighters are trained in something that's the word parkour is originally french wow. so and that that just sort of like as people emigrated to the u.s and the uk and just sort of it, it just sort of branched out from that and then people turned it into a uh i'm not gonna say competitive sport but just like yeah. a, a sport in of itself 
a discipline or something. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. hence, hence the inf- the efficiency focus, and that makes a lot lot of sense. And uh, you know, thanks to the education, because I mean, it's like on um, on on Brainstorm Brewery where uh, I learned what a microwave uh, microwave actually does when Jason kind of <laughs> so eloquently put it. It's like actually explained it. It's like, well, yeah. didn't expect to know how microwave worked today. So no, I love that. But um, I mean, there's there's probably still a thing that um, I. I spent a lot of time skating and there's a lot of that I miss uh like skateboarding and I imagined you still have the whole uh there's this you know you, you talked about in free running where people are conquering things and like pushing limits of themselves that kind of thing as well I imagine you still get that in parkour in a like cathartic way like you, you're like I don't think I can do this but I'm gonna you know tell my mind to shut up and while oh, I yeah, bash abs- through that, that wall of resistance I'm, yeah yeah um, like one of my personal uh, goals that I'm working on that it's it's hard to explain without just like having a YouTube video of some 13 <laughs> year old Russian kid doing it. But uh, <laughs> like if well, you can picture just like, like oh, uh, if you can picture just like running up to like a railing and then jumping mm. off of it with one foot and then sort of like jumping up to a secondary railing and then like swinging around and then jumping back onto the first railing yeah like for with your hands so just sort of like a a monkey bar style just like run up pop up swing and then land on the like precision land on the first bar dang Um, dang absolutely terrifying but oh yeah and it's i mean it's it's the type of thing but people probably make the analogy all the time it's like this is just assassin's creed isn't it and it's like but no there's another game i'm thinking of where there was that particular move and it was really hard to do and uh, that's it's escaping me now prince of persia Mirror's Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of that, actually, right? Um, yeah, those that are whole, the... like, they don't make wall jumping easy, and that's the point, because... Yes. It's not. <laughs> it's very hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, when, a... I, when I train, there's a lot of, like, parents and, uh, like, kids that, are, like, look through the window, and, like, or, like we get a lot of the, uh, like, oh, what are you doing in here? Because uh, the, the instructor specifically chose the location of, like, next to a trampoline park. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of like uh, um, foot traffic of people who are interested in that kind of thing. So yeah, a lot I see of like, it around. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw a kid do this in a video game. Right, I I saw this in Mirror's Edge <laughs> slash Assassin's Creed <laughs> slash like <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, and that's that's why people are getting into it, of course. And it's you know, oh yeah, for no sure. Su- like no surprise. Like yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Mirror's Edge was it for me? Like I I originally yeah. played Mirror's Edge in high school, and I was like, this is neat. And then. Uh, X years later, I was I just was was like I kind of want to get back into this, and then I found a a guy who helped me train it. Mm, no, for sure, and I think it'd be quite amazing to get into as well. And like I say, I can definitely um, feel like there'd be those moments where it's like it's. I feel like I'm looking to do something like that again, uh, or have something that I can do that doesn't involve injury uh, or as much risk to injury because it's usually what those result in. Because that's the whole point. Because you're you're putting yourself in positions where you could easily get injured if your mind kind of wins in that that situation. Because it's like you're designed to protect yourself in a weird way, and your mind goes, "No, you can't do that," and it protects you halfway through while you're jumping in the air and often yes. puts you more at risk than any time at all like, yes. you know so um but yeah it's 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 those ones where they they kind of for you know definitely feel like they they add to you know a, a bit of drama and i don't know context in life that it's like well you actually got something that kind of um just challenges you all the time which i find that i think that's a little bit of a key to you know always look to find those things but anyway that's getting way too deep for uh <laughs> 
a moment without uh, talking about any magic. So um, anyway, we'll we'll move on anyway. But uh, I mean, thanks, DJ, for starting us off with some kick-ass content. It's it's good. But let's see where uh, where other avenues we go from there. But um, I mean, we usually start off with with, uh, with brewers' notes, but nothing particularly has changed in especially in my brewing kind of circles. Or I mean, I played a couple of games in the last week, but um, I figure we might just get absolutely sunken into the main points anyway but um reason why i mean as as everyone you know is who's a guest on this podcast is here like dj's got some awesome perspectives on finance first of all which is something that um i don't do anything to action whatsoever but find incredibly fascinating to watch and kind of be a part of or like you know get a little bit like happy when one of your cards kind of goes up or you buy a few cards you know oh that's actually I figured this would be a good card at some point or I, sh- I should have these before they're $40, that kind of thing. It's it's something that's more like I approach finance and magic as like a – it's a recreational thing. But I know you make it your whole life, which is incredible um, and have made a whole you know content career off it as well and, and a name and, and it's fascinating. But then those connections to, uh, of course, playing a bit of EDH and, um, you know, knowing for a couple of – decks you play that Gonti and Segan will get into those as well but um I mean first of all like Brainstorm Brewery your your kind of role on there uh hanging out with with Jason who was um and and of course Corbin but Jason was our second ever episode guest uh well sorry our first ever guest but on our second episode and that's that was a, that's a, a good hit that's a good yeah that was, that was, I was like what Jason's on god damn I've listened to this I've listened to his stuff for years and it's like all right am I ready to talk to him and we had a great time and I think I had to cut down four hours into two or something dumb so um no I love it and since I've played a bunch of commander with Jason and you know always kind of enjoyed being around uh him and hearing his stuff as well but um you know stoked to have you on as well but yeah like brainstorm brewery uh if if anyone who doesn't for some reason know what this is it's it's a it's a finance podcast i guess for magic but it's it's got that style where it's it's very um it's casual at the same time and 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 you know relaxing you know you know kind of great way because you never know what you guys are going to talk about there's like i said there's there's funny parts and everything but you know, has has it been the last, you know, even just year? I won't ask you for your full origin story, but, you know, how have you guys been going with everything and, and, and finance and whatnot? Oh, it's been fine. I, I try to, uh, I have tried to uh, rebrand as much as possible and that, like, we are an entertainment podcast with a finance, <laughs> like, minor. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, that's this with, with Commander in a way, you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to, because there are other podcasts and other forms of media for the person that uh wants to be that wolf of wall street style um money talks just like uncut gem style of like yeah wheel yep. and deal shark shark infested waters world <laughs> where they're they they want to like think they're on top of some sort of like uh throne or trophy or whatever it's like i i just want to teach people who want to play the game more effectively and like i buying and selling cards full-time is my job and there is that aspect of like i need to do this business thing that requires a lot of money and or connections and or like deep levels of insight but like i i much have the opinion of like uh if somebody wants that sort of deep dive uh style or lesson or uh, specifications of oh, how do you do this really specific deep knowledge thing in the industry that nobody else knows? They can ask me about that. Our our content is much more focused on just um, telling you what 
cards in your collection are worth money that you didn't think are worth money. That's that's one of the biggest segments we do is called Breaking mm-hmm. Bulk, where uh, we play this little guessing game of, oh, I have I have a red uncommon from Theros that is $3 that you didn't know about. Yeah, um, I they, adore that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's, definitely our brand that I've tried to cultivate. Yeah, and it's definitely been the, 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 you know, some of the best fun. But And that, that was always, I remember hearing Jason say that kind of thing for years. It's like, it's it's not necessarily about making bulk coin out of it because, you know, yeah, sure, you can do that. But it's it's like, let's make this game that's probably needlessly expensive. I mean, it kind of just happens that way uh, into something that's more affordable. So you can play more Commander, you can play more, like if you really want to, standard, whatever, and have a bit of fun with it and just, just learn a few things, be a bit savvy. But like I say, I've kind of just, you know, enjoyed it as a as a fan of watching things move, like watching the numbers go up, watching the numbers go down, and then trying to predict that as this like little little yeah. kind of stock stock market that people are surprised, like people that don't play Magic, like wow, the, the, the prices really go up like that. They really they're worth that much. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, um, I have uh, I have had that conversation many <laughs> times. Uh, they like just bits of cardboard. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> there, there's always the um. You have to find the baseline of like, okay, what information are we working with when we have this conversation? Because mm. uh, I've I've had this conversation with hundreds of people. Considering I travel a lot, there's there's always the awkward person on plane next to you who wants to talk to you, or like, <laughs> um, like person at the airport who happens to see a a shirt you're wearing, or like a buy that you're pricing out on the the table or bar mm. or whatever. Um, the was like, oh, what do you do? Why are you? And it's like, okay, like, what? Phase one is like, do, do you know <laughs> this what is po- a card game? <laughs> do you know what Pokemon is? Let's start yeah, from there. Yeah, okay, that's, yes, that's okay, too, as well. Yeah, exactly. That's um, like, yeah, Pokemon. Or if they come up and they're like, oh, Magic, I used to play that as a kid. It's like, okay, now I know what baseline we're working with. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and also, do you have your collection? You know, like, yeah. Also, also, here's my business card. <laughs> I have gotten I have gotten more collections than I would have expected yeah. just by like oh yeah um DM me if you ever uh, like stop paying for that storage unit or whatever mm-hmm. yeah exactly unless it uh, end up on storage wars or whatever but um, no exactly exactly no it's wild and um yeah no it's 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 I think that's the best way to look at it you guys are definitely definitely entertaining of course you know. Uh, a, a big part of that is Jason being a you know literally a comedian and you know <laughs> the funniest things come out of that of course but um uh yeah no it's, it's it's something I've appreciated for a long time and you know love to see you guys continue doing what you do but it's it's also like you're just not trying to be anything else like you're not trying to be uh, what other people are doing, I you know like that precedent it sets because you know not everything has to be the most hyper focused, um, you know like ultra you know five minute cut of everything as well. So um, yeah, I mean I've been meaning to get into the uh, the after hours stuff too. I better actually throw some money at your Patreon and <laughs> and do that, you know, rather than you know <laughs> just talking about it. But um, uh, all good. But um, yeah, I mean the the last. Uh, we we do you know inevitably talk about the last year of course and and you know uh kind of challenges and, and whatnot but the way it's kind of changing the game which is pretty interesting um i mean we are a commander podcast how much commander have you been playing minimal but i mean my uh i i don't play magic as much as i used to yeah which yeah. is just is um it's part of the part of the industry in that like magic is literally my job so therefore i i don't try to eat at the same restaurant i cook at kind of thing 
Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was going to point that out and, and ask about that actually too, that like how much do you have to distance that or like, you know, what is it actually like to be sifting through bulk a lot of the time and like you're, you're processing stuff. You're literally looking at magic cards and, and then, of course, making sure there's that healthy balance that when you actually sit down to a game, it is enjoyable. Yeah, I, I definitely want to uh, reserve the amount of time I play magic for mm. when I will enjoy it the most. Uh, I think uh, Magic Fest indianapolis was the last weekend where i just went to play commander with friends mm. almost exclusively the entire weekend that was like the big brainstorm brewery party we were partnered with channel fireball we rented out mm. an entire like literal convention center room for an entire evening and even aside from that just at back of the airbnb we were just playing games and that was <laughs> like i played more magic in that weekend that i had probably like the year prior or the year afterwards yeah um, yeah but I I don't have like a weekly game pod or a weekly I I just it's it's every once in a great while I will play Commander on stream or sometimes on our Twitch stream when we have like a guest that uh we're really excited to have all the three of us will play together. Jason plays a, a lot more than I do, but um oh yeah yeah and and I said, I've been I've been able to find him for a few games and yeah, yeah. for sure. Corbin and I will join on occasion and uh, I I limit myself to five decks so. Mm, if if I way. if for some reason I get a spark of ingenuity and I was like oh I really I really like this I really want to build this um then I, I have a rule where I have to take something apart that already exists yeah exactly um but yeah I mean you you see a lot of cards I guess you you've got the the kind of pick of of a lot of things anyway but um I mean what what makes the list I mean what's the, what's the list at the moment I know I know you've got Gonti and Sig but like you know what what tops out that top five I have oh I only have four at the moment which is oh uh, shit yeah it's it's never really happened before but i only have four <laughs> um i have gonti i have sig i have Thantis, which is yeah, the, the sweet, spider sweet. from c18 that i was works. on uh i was on the mtg and quarantine podcast a couple weeks ago and we had a really fun conversation about just like the combat step in commander and um i i just mm-hmm. like game design i like mad i like talking about like the game design of magic even a lot more than just like playing magic at this point but um no for fun, sure for we sure. had a fun like conversation about um the combat step in commander and Thantis is one of my favorite uh just probably one of my favorite decks to play just because the the engaging moments it creates and uh just the mm-hmm. the way it shifts the everyone's expectations or ethos at the table of like oh you're playing olero Here's three five five <laughs> trampling tokens with haste that have to attack every turn. You're an aggro deck now, like, um. So yeah, I have Thantis, oh. and then I have uh, Selenia, which is the black white angel from Tempest that nobody has heard of. Yeah, that thing rocks. Oh, I mean, respect for sure. But um, yeah, no, you you point on Thantis too. It's it's that I mean the reason this game is for me just eternally uh, interesting and things keep coming out is. I mean, that way it works on social contracts, uh, constructs, of course, but like using, you know, often finding effects that work in different ways you might not thought, like, you know, be thinking of or, or kind of on cards that no one's, you know, really considered. And that's the treasure trove we keep going back to, of course. But like, as the other day, I was like, I'm starting to understand really the ins and outs of how, like, say, Monarch works and how interesting that is. Sometimes it's like, I think Commander Legends, a lot of that stuff taught me that too. It's like that you, you want the monarch to for the card advantage, but half the time you want the monarch to be in someone else's hand so other people can fight over it. And, oh, and that's for the sure. fun 
and that's the like, that's the level up moment in a way. And I, I guess like Marche is a, is a, uh, a commander that kind of signals that anyway. It's it's that kind of point. It's like good, let other people whittle each other down, and that's that's kind of just super super fun. But um, I mean, what are like any spicy cool tech and stuff you uh you like to play in um in Thantis or um you know things you like to do? I I think Thantis is just. The entire deck list is just cards most people haven't heard of. Um, yeah, nice. Just a lot of cards from those pre-cons. Because when they made those, the pre-cons every year, they have um, they have sort of deck-building paths where there's you can sort yeah. of see and um, distinguish three individual strategies in each one. In each, With those in, weird each pre-con. Not just like the set of pre-cons, but like you can take apart the... Uh, the Jund C18 precon, you can say, oh, there's there's like a lands matter focus theme here. Mm. There's like a goad theme. There's like a plus one plus one counter theme. And uh, I I lean heavily into the goad theme from sort mm. of each of the precons. Like, I think the Naya one from C19 did that pretty well um, too. Yeah, for and sure. there's just a lot of cards in those decks that people just oh I got my I got my precon. I got my dockside extortionist. Let's throw the other 98 cards <laughs> away and etc. But um. Just like this entire deck is uh, just a lot of cards that I think most people haven't heard of. Uh, I play all three hunted creatures from the original Ravnica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are big overstatted units that give target opponent some creatures. Uh, I play uh, Bitter Feud, which is a yeah, C14 uh, enchantment that says pick two players. Those players now deal <laughs> double damage to each other. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, just messing with the combat, you know, like it's 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 kind of amazing. Oh, I haven't seen Bitter Feud around. Uh yeah, we need to bring that back a bit. Xantia Sleeper Agent. Just give yeah, somebody a five five and have fun. Um the deck's very good at king making. It doesn't always mm. it's it's not necessarily built to just win every game, which I think is important. Uh, yes. Th- yeah, there's a lot of right. moments, uh, it's just the one gift from Spongebob where it's like Plankton and he finally steals the <laughs> formula for the crap. He's like, I don't know, I didn't think I'd get this. Like, there's a lot of moments like that. I don't know, I didn't think I'd get this far where you you're suddenly yeah, yeah. staring down the person that where you, you gave, like, you played Primal Vigor and you buffed all their tokens <laughs> and you, you you gave the person like eighteen elementals or something like that. It's like I guess I die. I I didn't. Yeah, I gave you I gave you these. To, I gave you these to kill the other two people, but uh, silver is a trophy too. I guess exactly. And it's I, a few people come up with that to um and and a big point of the podcast is just like I just want to like compile everyone's perspectives on command and hopefully make a bit of a lexicon on like what. You know, further everyone's understanding, I guess, of like what it what it is. But like a few people come back to that story, like that thing that's like play for the story, and and play for the interesting moments and focus on those. And you know, the win is secondary, of course. Like you know, I mean, in the casual commander stuff, we play, yeah. of course. But um, I mean, uh, and and that's that's more fun than anything for sure. I I specifically designed the deck such that there is no card or effect that prevents people from attacking me. Um, mm. Which is sort of what yeah. Thantis, you you'd view it because it's uh, just this pillow four esque style commander. Um, yeah, I I do not play anything that prevents people from attacking me. I will just strongly discourage it. Yeah, I mean, so Thantis it's when stat you, line yeah. does it anyway. Like it's it's like ah, uh, you probably shouldn't, but like I mean, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm one of the few people that plays Frontier Warmonger. If you know what that does. Ooh, I'm need look at this one. Yeah, uh, four mana, four four red creature. Whenever one or more creatures attack one or more of your or one of your opponents or a planeswalker they control, those creatures get menace. 
So it's as long as somebody is attacking somebody that's not me, everything has menace. Yeah, dang. I was going to say that um, I played the, uh, what is it, the Silver Core pre-con the other day, and um, that seemed to have a few effects. I guess the black ones are the ones you can grab there, but yep. of definitely that ilk, it's like, well, you've, you know, you can attack whoever you want. It's up to you, but you get, you know, you get this amazing bonus if you attack someone else and, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. powerful be- be- that is. Because of the implication. Yeah, totally. And it's like, guess what? Well, you know, it's that's another like weird analog for life. And um, what was it? Ryan from CCO was talking about it in a business sense, like make it their idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, there you go. Like, <laughs> I'm going to lay all these things out. And like, I'm a genius. I'm going to attack this person. I'm like, yeah, it's good, good. Go for it. Um, as as another card pops up on my uh, my 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 search, agitator ant. I remember buying this one recently. It's just like I just love it. Dumb little. Yep, it's has, in there. It says the word goat on it. It's red. And uh, it says, uh, what is it? Beginning of your end step, each player may put two 1 1 counters on a creature they control and goat each creature that had counters put it on this way. So, like, yeah, sweet. I could do with some cre- uh, some tokens. Uh, I was, um, uh, or counters. I was going to attack anyway. So, why not? I'm just not going to attack this way. So, yep. I love that stuff. Um, Bloodthirsty Blade. Then, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right of the Raging Storm. That's a fun one. I was about to say that one, the Lightning Rager one. Oh, dang. Be mean to pick up a copy of that. I played that at a in a game where somebody else had the two-color Omnath. Yeah. And they're elementals. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so which one is that? So it's the five mana one. Creatures named Lightning Rager can't attack your elementals you control. But at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that, that player puts a 5-1. I love this one. The token is so weird. 5-1 red elemental creature token named Lightning Ranger onto the battlefield. It has trample haste and sack it uh, at the end set. They don't yeah, even have it, to have a sack outlet. It just sacks. Yes, they, it just gives a ball lightning out to everyone <laughs> oh. at their upkeep. But uh, the, the, the element, the Omnath player was very happy. And I was like, hey, oh, the yeah, longer I like, stick around, the longer this thing stays in play. So uh, what have I done? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we can uh, we can beat up DJ, but like, not too much. You've got to keep you around. So, uh, yeah, it's those interesting dynamics, right? And I mean, I've heard people talk about that Commander, as is, like especially as that format, has certain aspects that nothing, you know, that is completely unique and that we haven't really seen in other games. And I wonder how long it's going to be before, uh, you know, would, would it happen that other other games try to take a little bit of what has been the success of Commander being the social game and that, you know, uh, kind of interactive, like interactivity in a way that it's a little bit like it can be co-op, but it's essentially one v one four player. I'm just interested to see that, and I don't know. Like you, we were talking before the you know recording, this like how important it is to have different card games or like just different games as perspective as well. Like they're they're often really valuable to go. Ah, oh, not only as a relief, but just sort of like oh yeah, this is what this game does pretty well, and you know what this one does in a different way, and that kind of thing. But I don't know, like, what are your thoughts there? Like, as far as what, do you think there's anything that could try and be like commander in the future or like, you know, or is there just like, there's things that are, that are uniquely just going to be commander and you know, no one can really touch that. I think there's a lot of games that can or already do emulate that aspect of commander. Um, the biggest difference is they're not, they're not card games. Yeah, true. Like true. Com- Actually, commander's a, a board point. game. It's not a card game. Yeah, commander's oh, a board totally, game. Totally. Totally. That's a great way to put it. Um, and it's a board game where uh, every, it's like a board ga- it's like an RPG board game where everyone picks their own character and has their own win condition and rule set 
and mm. it's a game where people will have to um, interact with those rule sets against each other's customized rule sets and win conditions, and mm. then just sort of engineer like a social experience out of that. Mm. That's right. Uh, and I, I don't. I'm not a board gamer. I do not. I, I have played minimal board games in my life. So I cannot give you metaphors <laughs> or examples or anything like that, but like that—that's what Commander. I'm sure there is is one out there that sort of tries to replicate that experience, but um, mm. it's not something I have a name for at the moment. No, I think that's that's enough to say about it. Like, absolutely, is a, is a really succinct point. That like, yeah, Commander is essentially you know a board game, and um, yeah, the, the the origins of you know of Magic being that it's also a little bit of you know what was it. Um, BDM said it was like uh, it's poker and chess put together in a way. Like it's like there's that as your like your foundation, and you throw that like the board game element of that, and that's why it's infinitely replayable. Of course, there's just so much you know interesting stuff going on for sure. But yeah, time will tell, I guess. You know for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know anything else. Uh, I mean, I, I think you just like to. There's a point I remember when when you're kind of like well. Uh, you know, having a chat on Twitter and stuff about like just different card designs is definitely something you gravitate towards, I guess. And, and, you know, the way things play that's, I'm guessing there's, there's, a, there's only a few things that ever stick out to you as like, oh, I really want to build that f- because of X, Y, Z, you know, there's, there's certain way, like ways a card, like a commander may function. You're like, oh, that does something completely different. Um, but I mean, any other facets you want to talk about, like the way, like you said, kind of, mechanically uh or like the the, you know play design kind of works that that you're particularly attracted to one of my favorite cards that i i think doesn't get played nearly as often as it should is and obviously it's an all-star advantage um berserk Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it does so much is uh criminally underplayed and part of that is because people just don't understand the full facet of rules interactions and how the card can be played. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is, uh, and I mean, I, I posted this on Twitter. I just posted a picture of Zerk. I was like, not not enough people play this card. Send tweet. And a lot of the replies <laughs> I got were, but DJ, it's $30. It's very expensive. Mm. Which, like, I get. Um, and that is a understate, like there are people out there, there are players that say, I can't afford to play this card because it's $30. But if mm. you look at the EDH data, it is in roughly 1% of all green decks that it can be played in. Yeah. Um, and Sylvan Library is in like 18% of all green decks that it can be played in. That's right. And Sylvan Library is twice as expensive as Berserk. So mm. I would argue that Silver Library is not 18 times as powerful as Berserk. Um, yeah, I, I would argue definitely. that... And Silver Library is not exactly like a simple card either. It is one of the most complex singular cards in the game. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a joke where it's just like the rules interactions with that and like Chains of Mephistopheles and just all the other mm-hmm. stuff from that era are just mind-boggling. Like it's, it's the there's probably like a quarter of each judge exam that is dedicated to this card. Um, <laughs> but like, exactly. I, I think Berserk is just not nearly played as much as it should be um, because of that. Just not people view it as like, Oh, this is a Voltron card that lets me one yeah. shot something or one yeah, shot. Exactly. Something. I put this on Rafik and then somebody dies. Like, but I don't want to lose my thing. Exactly. Like, like, but yeah. um, 
there's the there's the level zero application of that. Then there's the level one application of I can cast this on my opponent's commander that's attacking my other opponent. Yeah. And now it's a Doom Blade that also just throat punched somebody else out of the game, which is cool. Yeah, um, and that aspect I've kind of learned about, like, you know, if if you know how important it is that you can't necessarily like no, ADH isn't all about winning, but it's like it's fun to think about, you know, what good ways to be efficient with things and like you're gonna be hard pressed to do all that 120 life of damage across your three opponents kind of thing and where you can you know that's that's very much a thantus thing but like where you can go i stand to gain if i uh kind of make a little bit difficult and put a little bit of resistance this way to make sure you know these other two players get into it deplete their resources and and deplete their life totals kind of thing and and berserk's one of those ones like oh i wasn't this person wasn't expecting to take double damage right here. And, um, you know, it, it, it just, it, it pulls so much weight for one mana. Kind of insane. Yeah. And then you can also use it to, uh, because of the way it's worded, it says only mm. cast this before the end of the combat damage step. Uh, <laughs> you can play it after the damage has been dealt. Mm. So you don't have to, buff the creature when it's like they could be coming at you with the ur dragon and you're like i'm gonna take 10 but i can't take 20 so you take yeah, the 10 yeah. and then post combat damage step before technically big air force <laughs> before the combat damage step has ended you're like okay now it has double power and it dies into the turn so it's it's still a uh a green doom blade with some few restrictions on it but uh you can you can use it to just kill something that just hit you you can use it to Doomblade something that attacks somebody else and it's it's just so versatile and yes it is it is an expensive card for which there are few mm. replacements as, uh, that can do all the Swift's army knife tools that it does but um, like again Sylvan Library is in 18 times as many decks yet is only twice as expensive so that's a ratio yeah. that doesn't like make sense math wise yeah I guess it's just that easy, that, that much easier to pass uh, you know card value advantage and then also just like stigma and and, and kind of it's it's got a bit of you know mythical nature to it. People are like, oh, you need one of these. Like this, yeah, oh, for sure. Like play. EDH Rec um, is a very very useful website, but it, it does have like a self fulfilling prophecy to an extent. Of, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feeding into the oh, the top one hundred played cards are going to be the top one hundred played cards because people look at the top one hundred played cards and then add those cards to their decks. Yeah, it makes it homogenous, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I, I always like to see silver linings to things. If I, the more that happens, the more I can sit there and go, "Cool, I'm going to play Skeleton Ship and have fun," and um, or play oh. every wacky thing from Visions you've ever seen. And, and I used and just to enjoy have it. a, uh, I used to have a Skeleton Ship Infect deck. Oh, nice! Oh, Infect that route. Mm. All right, that's that, that's a funky one. Um, I didn't. I've got one source of Infect in there, and it's it's it does pull duty. It's the uh, what's the one has Khan on it with a headache corrupted conscience yes the mind control yep oh it's nice and and like that that's another card that i I think that's a great lesson from berserk like you say like look at cards in what like where can you bend the utility a little bit and and play them in unexpected ways it's little things like i i use ghost quarter to fix matter all the time like it's fine um but it's it's you know don't ever assume that it, it goes one way kind of thing and and corrupted conscience is one of those ones like yeah i'm not i'm not actually interested in the mind control right now i just kind of want to put the uh the, the effect on say a, a so conrad or something that's doing damage to everyone and you know pretty oh, easily yeah, finishes yeah. off a table <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great one people don't like that that's fine but um 
Oh man, that's uh, that that's oh a, that's wow, a, infect on Sir Conrad. That's uh, yeah, that was, they're the ones too. I love those when they pop up in game. You're like, oh cool, mm. and you're just like you're be- beautiful minding it for a second. You look at two cards. Like, Wait a second, this is brilliant. <laughs> it's like, do I like wave my hands in the air like Kermit and just like you know show everyone how proud I was that I found that, or do you like? try and fly it on the radar a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm just going to put this on here. And then wait till people are taking four or five damage. Like, wait a second. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a tie. But um, yeah, man. So Skeleton Ship Infect. I, I am absolutely intrigued. Because, that was um, many years ago. That was like 2013 or 2014. I had that deck to put together. But uh, yeah, as well ago. And it, and and then more proliferates come out, of course, too, and um, you know everything changes over the years. But uh, oh yeah, needs a tainted strike too. But yeah, I mean my version of that's um, a lot of the like intruder alarm, like twiddle stuff, I guess, kind of. Um, but then lots of wacky little combos and, and excuse to play fun cards. But you no, know, it pulls weight sometimes. Then I've all like a lot of the ones that I've heard people play have been like the skeleton tribal as well. But I always looked at it going, ah, skeleton ship being a skeleton, it's cool, but like. It's kind of just a leader with skeletons don't have much to do with the minus one counters. I think that's the interesting part. And then anything with a boat on, I'm, I'm into that. So you play your capsize <laughs> and you <laughs> dread ship reef because it says the word ship on it, like dumb anything things Anything with like a that. boat on it. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, I love that. Like you can blend those two things. Like, hey, this is a bit of a meme card. Like, there you go. Exactly. It's... um. I mean, speaking of which, I was uh, I was going to put a um a deck to, together recently, and then I um uh it made me laugh a lot. The uh you guys were talking about on 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 the uh, brainstorm brewery about was it Cody the uh, bookie McBook face, and oh, um, yeah. and how goddamn funny that was. And it was like, yep, it's it's just like mm, running out of ideas. What are you going to make? Massive book, but um yeah, yeah. Lo and behold, I'm putting the deck together. I guess so. It's going to be a fun one. It'll be wild. I'm looking but, um, forward to uh, Dragony the Dragon. Yeah, in the <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Dragon Face. Yeah, gonna be good. I love it. Um, yeah. Oh, that, to that point, actually, does that? I think they're gonna. Anything? I think they'll come out with uh, Bodie McBoatface for your for your boat deck. Yeah, definitely need that. Oh, I mean, I was looking the other day about. Um, uh, I was trying to see how many boats and vehicles and transport tycoon things there are for uh, what's the Arkelos the turtle uh, in <laughs> Saltai, which is not typically the vehicle color, but I just like the way Arkelos works with you know tapping and untapping that kind of thing. So yeah, it it's this close to just becoming it like put skeleton ship <laughs> in the deck and do what skeleton ship was doing, but with green. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, good times. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, kind of half a point there to kind of hinge off too, but, um, you know, as, you know, your your, your role in kind of uh, magic has, has a lot of, you know, been sent around finance a whole bunch, of course. Um, but have you found it interesting to see that everything's kind of really, or a lot of things anyway, especially last year, but, you know, it's been leading up to it for a while, but have started to just, like, absolutely gravitate around Commander. And, and you know, everything's why It's the joke now. It's like, oh, yep, Commander players, right? You know, <laughs> so someone needs this stupid card, so it's it's 20 bucks now, and especially those Commander sets. But, um, you know, how have you seen that change a little bit, especially the way, like, it, it, it affects the way you do everything? Yeah, for sure. Most of my personal business has always been commander sales mm. uh it's changed a bit in that most of has changed to almost all of in the past year or so 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of my job previously uh, was arbitraging specific staples to overseas countries where they're worth more. So I yep. would do a lot of uh, North American and Europe arbitrage where commander foils and judge cards and just uh, like non-English cards for commander are very, very cheap over there. But mm. modern staples like Liliana the Veil, Collective Brutality, uh, Coal Against Command, and a lot of weird ones too, like Hex Drinker, Fiery Confluence. Like there's just yeah, different right. metagames and different um different styles of play. Like blue cards yeah. are always way more in Japan because Japanese players like playing blue more. As just a, yeah, a yeah, like yeah. not even just as a stereotype, like that's a data driven statistic of like I can get a lot more for underground sea in Japan than I can in North America or Europe, just because even just compared uh, to like the the percentage-wise differences like it's just blue cards are way more over there for some reason mm -hmm. and so uh like i've i've ceased a lot of that partially just because of like changes in import export uh laws like japanese stuff has uh like there's there's a lot of like stuff where it's harder to get stuff into the country from japan nowadays um, yeah yeah but uh like i used to just ship a package every week or so over to europe and now that's stopped quite a bit because i don't have as high of an influx of modern cards i don't have people mm. selling me their their modern decks as as often but i have i have done a lot more of commander buying and selling over the past year and a half um it's weird because when everything shut down i i expected to do not as much online commander sales but i've done significantly totally. more I, yeah. My sales over the past year are the highest they've been ever, uh, which is something that was, number one, necessary because I didn't have a job at Magic Fests. Mm -hmm. And number two, just unexpected because uh, the in-person kind of format, the in-person four-player format was the last thing I'd expect to yeah, somehow win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I'm still really... I don't know, like, I'm still really, like, surprised that, like, a, a lot of people love their modern decks, that kind of thing, and their eternal formats, but no one's booting up Spelltable to play Vintage or Modern. Like, it's it's still, it was, a lot of that was predicated on a, um, you know, or, like, kind of boosted by a one particular piece of technology or, like, you know, an application that kind of just really made that seamless. I mean, people were doing it before anyway, but... It was like no one expected that. It's like, yep, the year of commander, quote unquote. You know, it's 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 pretty strange. And and now it's I I I'm interested to see what happens. I think you guys have spoken about it a little bit, almost that whole like the ground is rumbling for when you know things get back to normal. You know, quote unquote, uh, and, and and people start doing you know tournament stuff or, or you know. Those those more competitive formats, of course, like they're getting back into them. What that means for fetch lands, that kind of thing. And it's it's going to be interesting, but then also like what the pathway looks like, which is a very complex thing. But to what it even means to be a competitive Magic player these days, you know. And and as in the last few days, literally that changing has been an interesting one. But I don't know, like what what are you feeling about that at all? Like it's um like what what's the future competitive looking like in a weird way like and what is that like are we going to see that die down you reckon or like are they going to just start printing everything to uh to be for commander or i don't know it's gonna be a strange one yeah i mean there's there's a lot of uncertainty even just regarding yesterday or the day before, yesterday's uh announcement and everything mm. um, or the day before whatever it was uh 
there's just a there's a lot of discussion points and rabbit holes you can go down um one that i don't think is talked about as much partially just because like it's not in people's forefronts of their minds or their um mm-hmm. just like how they interact with the game but as a vendor and somebody who fly was flying to different parts of the country every week or two um there's a very big like logistics hurdle for events coming back and i i'm not even talking about like uh the standard bullet points of like oh yeah covid oh yeah like um mm. such and such like safe cdc regulations etc but like the number of people who are qualified to run thousand person plus events like that um you can count them on like one hand yeah yeah like you, you can count ca- like the number of people who are from a data entry logistics and like event management organization standpoint like you can count the number of people who are qualified to run events like cfb channel fire but you can like that's a, that's a very small pool of people that have yeah. been doing something else for the past year and a half like they mm-hmm. they they haven't just been like sitting on their in their empty living room like looking at their watch waiting for the bat signal to show up outside their window like <laughs> to, for them to come back like that that pool of people is extremely smaller if not gone um mm. and so like companies that have a competitive advantage in sort of event logistics like star city is the the premier obvious example channel fireball maybe but they've been doing a lot of like restructuring and how their brand has operated in, in uh, moving out of the singles market and into binder That's pos right. and like um trying to start up their own tcg-esque marketplace um so like star cities obviously has the pole position here in event mm. logistics but like when having that conversation um with wizards and like thinking about okay what does what does competitive play returning look like obviously there's all the the aspects of like what do pro points look like uh what what does what does the dream that they're selling to (laughs) be that um that like path to stardom or path to like being the big lsv slash reduke or whatever what does that look like but just all of that magic card game aside just from like a how do we run huge convention center focused like conventions but that's, that's what they have to people, they, yeah yeah they, they have to be conventions and not just um big tournaments where people go to play a main event and we saw some of that last in 2019 when things were on the downs um not even downswing when they, like the, the the last few months before covid hit uh mm-hmm. where there was these there were magic fests and basically nobody played the main event number one because of the format sucked. <laughs> yeah. um yeah but like that was that was the the discourse on twitter and or reddit for the time was wow there's 250 people in the main event at gp oklahoma city what magic is dying etc like what what is mm-hmm. what's wrong with magic um and why are these events dying but like as somebody who was sitting at a booth at that event it was not a small event there was a mm. ton of people in that hall but they're all playing mystery booster drafts yeah yeah that's right and that like was the, a asterisk footnote one, you know, like that was a yeah, and that was how yeah. like magic fests were operating at that point going forward. Was there's there was a lot of like, oh screw the main event, I'm just gonna draft do side events all day. I'm gonna like hang around, try to meet cosplayers and or artists and or just they were leaning heavily into that like this is not a tournament, it's a magic fest. It's a celebration can, of the game, yeah. 
Yeah, and um, I think that is definitely the direction that they're going to steer that huge logistical ship moving forward, and they need to find mm-hmm. somebody who is um, able to run these convention-style events, less so with um, finding somebody who can, like, run a 2,000-person WE Wizards event reporter um, software. Mm. So I, I think we'll see a lot more focus on those command-style fests, and I, I've ranted for, like, a good five minutes, but, um, like, there's there's another <laughs> whole, like, um, rabbit hole, like, Zelda dungeon you can go down worth of content about, like, why magic fests, as they were structured, are better for vendors, and why command fests are worse for vendors, um, mm. but like that's that's a whole different. Um, I mean, if even if you want to indulge a little bit there, because I'm kind of fascinated. And it's like it's it's almost like is it because it's kind of they're existing in spite of the fact, or like yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's kind of a strange one. I mean, I mean, before we get in that anyway, but um, you you mentioned about CFB too, and um, we had was it Josh, the CEO of CFB Group and Binder POS as the you know the new merger or whatever. Um, on a couple of months ago, and we we had a chat to him. Is a he's a Kiwi, lovely dude. And um, but you know what that future looks like, and that big shock move of CFB changing over, uh, and then ideally what it means, like they kind of put it in the perspective of it means a lot more power to um, you know, a, a lot more someone's looking after the LGSs, which seems good, and it sounds like you guys had that that kind of point of view anyway, which um, I think you talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but it was that idea that you know. They're kind of they're building things on that that they're building the system for the LGS and and they want to run things through them and you've got to essentially have an a, a, a business you know presence and to to kind of trade on there uh, and have some credibility behind it that kind of thing. But um, what what he was saying as well, like we would you know in Australia we're kind of starved for events. We always want them and you know you can't exactly beg for events right now. It's like it's going to be some time, of course. Uh, but we're like, oh, will we see them? And and they seem pretty confident. They're like, wait, we really want to focus on events. So we'll see how that goes. I don't know how people go about managing events in this, you know, this climate, of course. And I know you've said like you're you're kind of trying to predict or where you you you're planning to to go out and you know start to to go back to those events or whatever. Like as that as that goes out in the you know however many months, but um. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting for for sure. How much like CFB get involved as well? But I mean, yeah, sorry. But back to your point, like if if you know if you want to indulge a little bit into uh, uh, the differences of how commander you know centric events will work uh, financially, you know, or, or your thoughts on those, because I mean that's what the whole thing's about for sure. Just very keen to to hear what what, what you have to say about those. Yeah. Um, also, as a sort of plug um not even for myself but like i i highly recommend if you're not already following uh michael caffrey he's the owner mm. of tales of adventure he's one of the smartest people in this entire industry um and one of the people i look up to the most in terms of like um how they should run magic as a business and just like the, yeah, how, how yeah. you run that sort of um style um but like one of the biggest uh and a, a lot of these points are things i've like talked with him about or just like interact mm. with him and uh read um a lot of the big draw of magic fests is that you you get to diversify your inventory to a huge extent and in, yep. in terms of what you're like what you're bringing and what you what sort of inventory you you put out there to sell because there's you have your modern players you have your commander players you have your 
high-end players, you have your old-school players, you have your casual players, you have your foil hunters, you have your people who want non-English cards, you have all these styles of players that are Mm. going to this Magic event um, because you have to state state all of that different, very demand, like, foil... You you can put, like, a foil... Uh, like torment of hailfire in your case, and it'll sell. You're you're guaranteed to sell oh, it yeah, in like twenty yeah. minutes. Um, and you can all, you're also guaranteed to sell your your non foil Jund staples, your your mox opals, your your power, literally everything. Your dollar case, all of that. Mm. And like the the scale of magic fests, uh, and just like the the pace and how they operate was what allowed you to have that cash flow in the volume of sales and like shrinking down the size, the overall grandiose size of those events. Mm. Um, not only like restricts the number and type of players that attend look, looking to browse cases, um, part like even from like a event logistics standpoint of like how traffic works within the room. Mm. Like if you have a commander command fest, like there's very outside of like the way the event hall is structured if you care about artists or like um other celebrity guests or whatever like depending on how they lay out the the blueprint of the room like there's very little incentive for like command player to leave that little like orange fenced in pen that they had <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but like if you have a magic fest there there's a lot more incentive because you have rounds shifting you have like table you have constant like flow of traffic of like where players are going and like running across the room for their feature match for their um for their next round for their side events for their um what have you for their mystery booster drafts and like you have that foot traffic as a vendor who who spent like 10 grand on a booth for the weekend that's Um, right yeah and there's a issue for like if you're an up-and-coming LGS that ha- that finally has, like, the the level of capital to be able to do something like a Magic Fest, Magic Fest, your ability to vend a Command Fest is significantly lowered because you, you don't have that foot traffic. You're still spending, like, a five-digit number on a booth for the weekend, but you're not, you're not going to make that return. And if you do, you're just going to hemorrhage mo- – or if you try, you're going to, like, hemorrhage money. Um, and it just it, – it definitely doesn't work in favor of, like – uh events with larger numbers of vendors if that makes sense no definitely definitely and it, it's gonna be interesting to see and it's like um you know like a lot of decisions like uh that's just you know this has worked in this this kind of uh, environment why can't it work here well, like you know there's very 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 distinct reasons exactly why like you say and it's you know not you're just not going to get the amount of uh, businesses that can do that kind of thing so um yeah that makes a lot of sense and and i think it also I think the game would always do well to kind of, you know, uh, have a couple of, what do you call it, like Venn diagram opportunities for like, you know, you, whether yeah. you identify as a commander player, like have have ways that are a nice, easy pathway to go, hey, you know, draft is awesome too. And it's not just to pick up the cards you need. It's like you get a different experience of the game out of it, you know, and same with modern, I think. I've got a thing where it's like I just I just like collecting lots of cards, of course. But it's um you know it, I like having different cards for different things, of course. And and you know part of the collection means being able to put different modern decks together, and and they're completely different beasts, and that's fine. And and I love that. And they they scratch a different itch when they they get there. But 
making sure that like those pathways are nice and clear. I think they'll do well to do. And then like, you know, I think vintage and legacy are always going to be interesting that it's like, are they just going to not be allowed? Like, you know, are they going to be closing off to newer players for, you know, forever? I don't know. Like it's, it's going to be interesting what, what happens there. And that's not even getting into reserve list and all that stuff, but um, you know, the, the top end of finance, but like what you say makes so much sense. That it's like, well, uh, having a vendor that addresses all of the whole span of magic, you know, and, and there's potentially a lot of, you know, money in the, the kind of staples of vintage, that kind of stuff. And um, whereas if you kind of boil that all down to Commander, like Commander's huge, but it's not everything, of course. And it's, Commander, it's, it's, uh, sorry, Commander players also like don't tend to sell their cards at Magic events, Magic Fest. Yeah, unless, exactly. Unless they're trading like, like fifty dollars cards worth out of a binder to get like their their next Sylvan Library or the next um yeah, single yeah. big upgrade to the deck or whatever. But like there's so much more traffic in terms of like competitive players yeah, selling yeah. entire decks to switch uh switch their list up or like just um oh I had this standard deck from three months ago and I don't play it. But like and yes there there are like commander players that do that. And then, again, like, I'm talking about very one percenty like, weird niche situations that most mm. players, like, are. It's, it's irrelevant to most players, but it's just, like, a thing that you can think about is, uh, like, when you sell a modern deck, when you think about, like, the number of transactions from, like, again, we're just removing all, m- most magic context behind this and just thinking about this from, mm-hmm. like, a logistics pr- perspective. Um, if you have a modern player sit down to sell a deck... The number of the number of cards, different cards that player is selling, is so few than the number of different cards a commander player is selling. Yeah, so if you yeah. if you have like two players sit down at the same booth, and we assume that the buyer was like cloned, it's the exact same buyer at both booths, and their skill sets the same. Um, mm. it takes so much longer to sell a commander deck than it does a modern deck, and yeah. then like you if you assume that your return on that is roughly the same of other variables considered like you're selling modern jund compared to selling your like dinosaur precon or whatever <laughs> um or like your upgraded gishath deck or your upgraded like azami deck or whatever um like you're spending more time but the same amount of money on the transaction for the commander player yeah which yeah. means that you ha- if you make 50 transactions throughout the weekend of selling commander decks and buying commander decks, you you make less money than if you did the same for like, um, the same number of modern decks or standard decks or pioneer decks or whatever whatever mm. format. Um, so well, like I command fest as a whole are just like not as good for vendors as the TLDR. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Full stop for sure. And it's it, uh, I think it even can kind of boils boils down to two like you know your, your timely fluctuations based on what's working, what's not, what's in vogue with you know metas and and that kind of thing and. It's it's a reason, you know, uh my limited exposure to to these kind of fests have been like why hot lists and, you know, uh kind of I remember mine was like Dominara and everyone wanted to quickly pick up their uh what was it, the or sell their uh oh what was it? Definitely. Um uh, it was that, but it was also the it was twenty five bucks, uh the enchantment that makes knights. 
Um, oh yeah, history of Benalia. Yeah, and it's just like spiked, and it's like people need them, and quickly like you just you get in that chippy turnover. Whereas like that kind of timeline doesn't really exist in Commander. It's like well, it's a lot more. You know, things can fluctuate based on like what releases um, and and spike that way, but it's not based on like quick. I need to play this now in my deck to go play this thing, and and you know that's the yeah. bit that's interesting when that kind of takes out of the equation as the full ecosystem. Um, I mean, especially buying selling it. Um, at Magic Fest anyway, and in conventions, as 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 I've loved to to hear your your kind of stories about you know on this, and also throughout Brainstorm Brewery as well. But um, always well, fascinating and, to uh, me, dude. That and the the ecosystem of like how you get rid of those commander staples after you bought them is different. Yeah, because yeah. most vendors who are selling commander staples are going to want to sell them online after the event is done because you make more money off them there. Hmm. Um, you get to you get to sell on like platforms like TCG Player Direct or whatever marketplace channel Fireball has, or on something like Amazon or eBay or um, your own website where you can have a like a, a markup for the commander deck or for the commander staples. Whereas the modern um, system and the modern prices are like much more streamlined and cutthroat. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't fill a display case full of commander staples because like there's there's just too many of them. Mm, that's right and like if you buy like yes you obviously have like your cyclonic rifts and your torment of hellfires your your fetch lands your um like if you go to edh rec and pull top 100 cards <laughs> it, like um top cards and then you basically have them like by five dollars or up like yeah you're gonna have your smothering ties your demonic tutors your mystic studies cr- your anguish and makings in the case your uh etc but like there's not enough room in a display case for you to be able to just like buy a commander deck. Mm. You can't you can't go to a magic fest and buy a commander deck. You, you could. It might take like six hours of sifting through bulk bins to find like wood elves and harrow <laughs> and tatiova and like mind stones and stuff like that. But like um again, that's just another like inefficiency of commander on a scale assuming that we see command fest style them the same way we have in the past mm. yeah that's right that's right but, um so i've got to ask you anyway it's uh you know how how what's your relationship at the moment with uh looking forward to going back to uh to command fest like do you have to get rid of any kind of um i mean i know i had a thing where it's like well i'm just not ready to see that many people just yet you know and and kind of took a bit of time to get used to that kind of thing but um i know it's quite a you know it's a bit of your livelihood and um, all that, but I don't know. Do you have complicated feelings about that, or are you ready to just jump back in? Uh, I mean, I'll still one hundred percent be wearing a mask at any event I go to for the next probably like oh, year shit, or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm I am already vaccinated. Uh, oh, nice. And I'm I am thoroughly impressed at the shift in um efficacy in vaccine distribution in this country over the past like. Um, God, how many days it has has it been since January twenty first exactly? Like, but um, I know, right? My word, yeah. Like, it's 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 been actually pretty impressive to see. Um, like, our country, our country's not doing very well with that. We're slowing right down, but for various reasons. But yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's hesitancy here too, and there's a frustrating number of people that are hesitant and or refusing mm. to get vaccines when they're available. But like that tirade aside, um, <laughs> I I have been pleasantly surprised at like. I, I I'm like oh yeah I'm a white guy in my mid twenties and I'm very healthy so like I I am obviously going to be on the bottom of the list of when you get um when I'm available to get a vaccine like obviously 
my my job is like traveling and to sell wizard squares. Yes, I get it. I'm last in line. That's fine. <laughs> um, women and children first kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but I was like, oh, wow. I, I clicked a button on my phone and it said there's an appointment for the next day. That's neat. So I got it. I'm, I'm all set there. Wow. Um, and it's funny because like a year and two months ago, uh, Magic Fest Reno was the last one I attended. And Reno's right, not a great yeah. city. Like that's not that's not on my top ten list of cities I want to visit. <laughs> um, I was I was like, the schedule was pretty bad this year. There's no real cool cities I get to visit. Because in 2019 it was awesome. I went to visit so many cool cities. I went to so many mm. awesome places. It was it was great. It was one of the my best years, favorite years of my life. Um, mm. And then like three months into and I'm in upstate New York for context. I don't um yeah I'm like near Canada levels of New York. Uh. And I was like, after Reno, I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to go back to Reno, man. And then like three months later, I was like, I would drive to Reno. <laughs> I've heard people say that. I, mean, I would They're drive like, to Reno for a Reno. goddamn for a goddamn <laughs> PTQ. Yeah, um, yeah. So there is actually a convention. There's a, a an event called TCG Con in, in Florida coming up at the end of next month. I am yeah. undecided if I'm going to that. If I do, it might be as like a consulting gig for a company. Yep. Um, or I might just like fly it solo and just sort of like grind and just like acclimate, reacclimate myself to the entire like environment kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do feel comfortable going to an event like that. Um, and I think that the first event I go to will sort of be a litmus test for the rest of for the rest of them going forward. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's it's definitely going to be like a uh, scope it out. How does this feel? Oh, cool! Like seventy percent of people aren't wearing masks, and just based on U.S. statistics, <laughs> like I can I can assume X number of you aren't vaccinated. Like then it's yep. like, eh, yep. but um, I don't know. Like if I if I go and I feel that like if I feel comfortable, and that's definitely something where like okay, I went and it felt okay, and that that's going to determine how many plane tickets I buy in the future. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say anyway, like that kind of leads nicely into another point that, you know, of course you've got your gratification. It's like, it's what you do. It's what you kind of, you know, feel purpose out of as well, I imagine. And, you know, you're pretty good at it, of course, but um, I don't I imagine feel purpose a- out of my job. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm not a teacher. Oh, like- no, well, yeah, don't worry. I, I get that. My, my, I sometimes like, well, I wish I could actually do something with purpose. But I mean, this, you know, like small amounts of it, of course. Like, I, I, had, like, a, I had something. a friend, I have a friend who works um, at the local hospital. She does surgery at like she does. She's a freaking brain surgeon at like the local. Hospital. And that puts it into context, doesn't it? Yeah. And like she like three weeks after quarantine started, she texted me and says, "How are you holding up?" It's like, and I was me? like, "I should be the least of your problems. <laughs> you are a much Dang. better person than me." And like oh. I, no, I, my job was like, oh no, I don't get to f- drive to Detroit next week. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll sell magic cards online instead. I'm like, you're a goddamn surge like half of your nurses are like are anti-vaxxers i'm the one that's supposed to feel bad for you uh i mean that's that's a side note too people in the health field that kind of have that will always still surprise me but you know you do do i guess but i think that's i mean the the optimistic like uh i'd like to look at the positive sides of things but that's what always gets me about like a lot of health workers that just like you are you're in a profession where you you do some like it's like the noblest of causes and like you are doing things that uh like harrowing at the the best you know like, sorry that you know harrowing at the best of times uh on a daily basis and yet 
often they they turn around to be the most amazing pleasant people that like you know that somehow have the time to show you gratitude and everything like god damn like that's it 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 surprises me so much it's like it's you know paramedics definitely i've met some that are just absolutely blown my mind how amazing they are and and, you know nursing staff too but um yeah that's that's a you know great point and always say that like healthcare workers kind of held this whole thing together for sure but um yeah i mean but yeah i mean the point i was making anyway was is that it's it's that thing I imagine um, you definitely miss and, and that connective tissue about everything though. But, you know, community gets thrown around as a word a lot. But, you know, that realizing what it means, you're like, oh, I can't get out there. But is that is that what you're kind of, you're talking about when it's like, yeah, that's really what I kind of want to, you know, go to these events for as well. And there's a vibe, there's an ecosystem. Like, yeah, you, you're there for the purposes to to kind of, you know, keep the economy churning for for what you do and everything but it's it's the people there as well and that celebration and and actually playing as well but like did it was there moments where you kind of learn about like what all you know assessing what that all that meant in a way uh i mean there's like i definitely learned a lot about how i think a lot of people learned about how much the magic fest economy actually influences card prices uh as a whole just because Mm. like the if you think about it, you're like, why is um this one card that I want? Why is Vidalcan Ori like fifty five dollars? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, one of the reasons. Be- <laughs> yeah, like one of the reasons behind that is because like normally there is a there is just a influence of those cards at Magic Fests. There's like yeah. players selling cards that then get uploaded to TCG and or Amazon and or etc. And like when that dries up, that's where the the price of crater hoof and cyclonic rift and exquisite blood really like just explode because there's not this like uh this constant like ecosystem environment flow mm. yeah interesting for sure i was gonna say too it's like i mean i one of these last ones like semi unrelated but it, it just got me thinking about it as well which um uh we kind of had that little chat at the start about uh or just before recording the whole idea like when you have have your moments like well you know getting so absorbed in magic where it becomes like it's there's so much going on be it negativity whatever but like those moments where you got to investigate and take a step back but like i mean have you know how much of if you had those and have you had to like investigate what that you know kind of distancing yourself from magic as well uh oh yeah absolutely i there was there's definitely a uh a work-life balance that you have to create yeah. and sort of decide for yourself in that uh when i was in college i did not have that i i was full-on magic is everything i was just like trying to uh make as much money as i could from the game as possible to support mm. my life like to, to eat and pay for things like car insurance and whatnot um mm. And, uh, like, I was definitely in the mood of, like, oh, I can I can drive out two hours to go buy a collection at nine at night and then come back and then um, wake up the next day and sort it and just constantly be on, be on call, I guess is the, the phrase. Mm. Um, and as I've, over the past decade or 12 years or so, um, I've definitely learned a lot of those self-boundaries in terms of, like... I was going to say, as, um, as you got old, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, 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 I mean, there, there's a point now, like, back then, um, if somebody messaged me about a collection, I would go and drive it out to get it, and nowadays, it's like, I'm not leaving my house unless I'm spending four digits, like... Yeah, exactly. Like, you can come to me, you can schedule an appointment and meet me, but I'm not, 
I'm not leaving my house for less than that. Yeah, I think energy is one thing that changes, I, I guess, as well. But it's also like you're realizing your attention economy, I guess. Um, I heard someone else put it that way, I think, is uh, Nick from Lexicon. But it's, um, yeah, and then that's, the, you're just like, well, this this is just a finite resource. And like, it's once you know, like you, you get to the end of that, like you feel it like once or twice, you're like, wow, I kind of don't want to touch on that anymore. Like as in, you know, you, you don't want to push yourself to that limit. It's like getting hit, like hideously drunk and you're just like, well, I know that limit now. And I, I kind of, I'm aware of it. Whereas, you know, remember those, those kind of, like like whatever a lot of people do, like your your early twenties or your your teen years, you can just you know like I I do graphic design and and I remember just being able to work until four in the morning just to yep. do cool like you know artwork for bands, not get paid anything, and you're just like you're just th- thriving off nothing, and it's like now you go you you start to put a bit more value on things, of course, and it's it's learning that you know everything is a finite resource, of course, but um yeah for sure. Anyway, um, that gets into uh, you know the, the the kind of the wonderful part of the show. Anyway, where we kind of go, well, you know, magic is magic. That's great. We've got more to touch on, of course, but um, you know, more importantly, we want to find out about the the funky, uh, interesting other other sides of you know our wonderful guests, uh, which is you, DJ. So, um, I mean, we're going to move over guest profile questions and sure. see where these take us. Take them on as many weird tangents as you possibly want. Don't even care, like absolutely going to indulge on those but um the first one we do which is the dumbest one and it's it's stupid and it makes no sense but we we pretend it's the most important barometer of who who someone is is as a person but pineapple and pizza where's your stance heresy (laughs) chesh will be happy with you (laughs) what's the perfect pizza then so i'm from new york which means my opinion means more Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, just strict regu like you have to go to New York City and like just get something off of like a street cart. That's yep, like a the slice. Yes, just get a slice from like a street vendor, pay the three or four dollars or whatever, and just like regular old pepperoni, mm-hmm. cheese, bread, tomatoes, like just pepperoni. That's that's. The the idea you can get all artisan with it and weird and whatever that's fine <laughs> but like um like I'm yeah, not you- a I'm not a wow let's combine pizza and fruit salad like no that's not it's <laughs> not how it's not how it works mm-hmm. no exactly that's there's, there's a uh, there's a there's a quality to simplicity and especially yeah, just when cheese it's- or pepperoni. And I think and, the geographical context of these is always very, very interesting. Like, I like that a lot. And I, I, I'm trying to think if we've got a, uh, if we've had someone from Chicago on there, because I want to talk about deep dish as well. And like, but yeah, that's, that's a battle you can oh, get into. Have I'm you, sure. uh, oh God, one of my favorite things I've ever listened Everyone has like a thing they listen to and or watch when they're sad. Um, yes. One of my absolute favorites. <laughs> there's a there's a rant by John Stewart on pizza, on deep dish yeah. pizza specifically. It is it is beautiful. I will link it to you after this, and you can. I uh, love it. It's it's he just goes on like this three minute tirade of like deep dish pizza is not pizza. It is tomato soup in a bread bowl. <laughs> it is it is a casserole. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I identify deeply with those sentiments and uh 
Oh, I freaking love that. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite uh, yeah. quotes. Uh, th- there are three acceptable condiments for a hot dog. Mustard, relish, and stagnant cart water. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I mean, what else are, put, what are, what else are people trying to put on their, uh, on the, on their hot dogs in, in New York? I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not interacting things. with those people. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. That's a bloody good point. <laughs> Number one, because I'm from upstate New York, and by upstate, I don't mean Albany. I mean like yeah. I'm near Canada, kind of thing. There, there, yeah, there's yeah. a discuss. There, you, there's a there's a microism of New York, um, as I'm sure there is in your country too, where it's like, um, what people from different regions think constitutes upper or lower or like western or whatever. Oh but yeah. Like, people from Long Island consider the rest of the state upstate. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not how geography works. No, no. I mean, it's it's a big place. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could say that. It's like people think the, uh, you know, Australia is Australia. But um, no, very, 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 very different. Um, and that's the thing. We've got this whole thing. It's like I forget how big Australia is sometimes. And I meet, I mean, people I also meet, think like New Zealand doesn't exist. So like you guys have. I know, right? <laughs> plenty of. <laughs> Or it's, it's like, miraculously part of Australia, you know. Like, I mean, I think Australia's to blame for doing that too. They go, oh, I mean, New Zealand. I remember in the Olympics years ago, New Zealand were doing well. And they're like, oh, the total amount of uh, medals uh, that Zealand has got compared to everyone else in the world. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, so there's all these battles about what we own. And, you know, like it's the Russell Crowe thing and like who came from where. And it's it's all stupid stuff. It's great. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Uh, next next question was, pet card you love may not be the best in magic. So, there's another magic question. Um, like what, what, what sums up, DJ? Like, what's your, you know, in your signature spell book, what's the one on the front? I guess for Selenia, it's Repay in Kind, Ooh. which is a seven mana sorcery from Rise of Eldrazi that says, every player's life total becomes whoever has the lowest life total. Oh, I need this. Yeah, I need so, this. I'm about, but, I'm about to start a uh, change life um uh deck uh actually with with bookie mcbookface and uh this is perfect <laughs> yeah so I like uh, this a lot. my my selenia deck is very much the uh near death experience slash like uh ad nauseum frixian on lifestyle deck where i'm sometimes at a negative life total Oh, like um i remember jim from the spike feeders talked uh about the lich style decks of like how incredibly cool and exhilarating they can be to play and it like got me thinking about yeah it's like how about you design a few things to be like yeah oh, it's completely cool to be minus 10 life and yeah i've exist. got a like I, I definitely play like a um eternity vessel like have it have 39 counters then pay 38 life with a wall of blood and then sack children <laughs> of coral and then play a land gain 37 life but i have sanguine bond in place so somebody dies kind of thing like that's that's what yep. this deck is Oh, I love that. I've been trying to brew something with, um, yeah, that same kind of ilk. It's like with Tainted Remedy where it's just like, yep, just life burning people kind of thing. And, um, you know, they're, they're exchanging life totals. So, oh, that's hot. That is, um, yeah. For, like, Sig is one of the decks that's closest to my heart because mm. I get to hipster and be like, I built Tribal Rogues before it was cool. Yeah, Zendikar Rising. <laughs> that's uh, true. That's true. I was like, I played Invisible Stalker and Frog Tosser Banneret, and I liked it. God damn it! But um, yep, freaking Thunderdell. Um, probably uh, yeah. my favorite card in that deck is Notorious Throng, which is like the, yeah. the kill condition. <laughs> um, it is a good card. 
the, again, like nobody had read up until Zendikar Rising or Commander right. 2020 was released. But uh, what does this yeah. do? Oh it's, oh, it's a time walk that gives me a bunch of fairies and kills you. Oh, it's a rogue. It's a rogue card. Whatever. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. I always think of um. I can't not think of the Thong song by uh, Cisco when I um <laughs> when <laughs> when someone plays that card. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, oh, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with those. But yeah, you gotta keep going if there's any more. I have. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my Ganti deck. Uh, I had a quick browse through the uh, the list. Actually, um, I've seen some. There's some spice in there. I uh, you run reprocess, don't you? I don't. Oh, you, oh, no. you only saw the list. You didn't see the actual physical deck. No, no. I haven't, I haven't okay, I'll deck. I'll link this in Discord. Nice. Uh, take a look at that. Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Of course! Oh no! I did hear about this. <laughs> it's freaking beautiful. <laughs> so My the word. rule for this deck is everything has to be original set, um, no foils, and then it has to be heavily played or damaged found in the wild. Yes. And uh, yes. I I would say this deck is one of the biggest things that helps me avoid burnout at a while working an event, um, mm. because like. I get desensitized. It's part of the job where you get desensitized to cool cards. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'll buy lotuses and power and like high end and crazy weird old stuff and hide. Like I'll, I'll do like ten thousand dollar transactions while I'm buying the booth and it, and it, you just like it's, it's magic cards, it's, it's cardboard, it's, it's numbers, just magic it's money. Squares, yeah, yeah, it's money, whatever. Um, so like it lets me get excited when I find something that goes in this deck. Um. <laughs> Gonti's Russian too. Gonti is Russian foil still in the pre- still in the pre-release package. In the wrapper, it's perfect. So, uh, like, if I f- if somebody comes across with like a destroyed copy of like Hedonist Trove, which is probably like my my signature spellbook card, Hedonist Trove. I was gonna say I saw that in the list. And I was like, ooh, that's a spicy one. That is um, fantastic, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, Every now and again, somebody will come across me with their binder at a, at a GP, and it's like, oh, if you don't want that. You don't want this wrecked, destroyed copy of Torment of Hailfire. And I was like, oh, you don't, under- <laughs> Try- you don't understand. Try I me. need this. So, uh, and I play it unsleeved, of course. I bridge shuffle it, just riffle shuffle, whatever you want to call yep. it. Um, and watch people that range, is, it's perfect. Uh, if you can see the Mana Crypt. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask about that. It's got, like, little, like, uh, uh, marks on it. Like I I keep track of my coin flips ah. with, a sh- with a sharpie. <laughs> so if I win, I, it's got like a little um, scoreboard on it: wins and losses on coin flips. <laughs> this is amazing. This is like like this is like a shot of kind of refreshing. I don't know what the drug is, but like it's just it's pure creativity and and like uh, or just refreshing kind of perspective of what it means to play on these pieces of cardboard. And yeah, like, no, no, and no. like. Have people like done so? What someone's murdered that mind stone? Yeah, the mana that? rocks I bought from uh, from Dan Bach, <laughs> who had blacked them out for his own commander deck. Which I came up with this, and he's he's actually got a similar deck. We came up with ours independently of each other, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I beautiful. bought them all. Did someone color um, in that demonic tutor? Is that the? It is alpha inked, so it is alpha, but it, like somebody, it was alpha and like had the borders were roughed up at some point, so somebody inked ah, over the you. the edgeware, um, yep. to make the alpha demonic tutor look consistently black bordered. So everything yep. in this deck, I didn't. I, I mean, I've played it unsleeved, if that's what you'd consider damaging it, but um, everything came, 
as as described at like as is um and That's like i'll get comments like but how do you play that unsleeved all of your alpha basics are rounded corners and your soul ring and your demonic tutor are it's like but you can tell what card's coming and it's like <laughs> I, I like if if you're if you're not going to play commander with me over that then i don't want to play commander with you like yeah exactly like oh yeah i'm gonna play this deck and then try and get an edge by knowing an, a land's coming it's like mm. i and i think my thought would be like all the cards average out over time <laughs> they all like they all find the uh the the border radius of those original ones yeah you know, like you can you can on- <laughs> see the cabal coffers on you can see the cabal coffers is uh basically rounded corners and it's like technically if i paid attention yes i can tell the cabal coffers on the top and you know yeah, what i'll tell Tell the, I'll tell the table that Cabal Coffers is coming up. Like, I don't care. Like, Yeah, exactly. I thought that Swamp was a Glasses of Urza, and then I recognized the art. So, um, yeah, nice. Oh, nice. yeah. Um, I was going to say, so this has this appeared on, um, what was the, oh, I haven't been on Reddit for way too long, but um, which is probably a good thing. But um, the, what was the? MTG Gore. Yeah, MTG Gore. I missed that. Yeah, yeah um, somebody yeah. tagged me and said, like, that I should post it. So I did post it there at some point couple years yeah. ago <laughs> it's perfect it's perfect no i i appreciate that so much that's um but yeah uh dig it hedonist trove that was uh, i mean like you said now i'm just thinking about that card i'm like yeah i've got to play that again then um oh yeah i saw on twitter was it the other day or, or today or something about the uh if you move the uh did you find a home for the eldrazi temple yeah that was uh i, I posted <laughs> that tweet because i got the sale notification it's been on my tcg store for like a year or two it's beaten up <laughs> So uh, what was the condition of that one? Just just absolutely hammered. Damaged. Yeah. I mean, I listed it with a picture. You go, you go damaged, yeah. I listed it with a picture. Um, DCG lets you list cards with photos, so I I specifically like took pictures of it. And um, yeah, did I you think do I'm, the? Uh, I was going to say, do you do this description of that one? Because I had that. Um, I was laughing at that bit where it said one of a kind. Oh yeah, um, I I um I had a friend of mine who was doing some work for me listing cards, and I believe they wrote the description where it's they wrote, they wrote like "shoot on by Ulamog" or something like that. Um, I love it. That's perfect. Yeah, oh, good. I can't. Well, that oh, that card stuff. like came from a collection. Um, I bought a lot of damaged stuff. There was like a twenty or thirty mm. cards that had like got left out in the rain or something like that. Um, oh, so there was like therapy. there was like a set of fetch lands like. Uh, there were Chalice of the Voids in there. It was a lot of, like, random modern staples that I just bought, and yeah. they were, like, in a plastic baggie that had been, like, soaked through by the rain or something like that. And uh, we peeled them out, like, left them to dry, hit them with the, the hair dryer kind of thing, mm. uh, and eventually listed them all on TCG. And they they all slowly sold over the course of, like, two years. That was the final one to go. That's incredible. I love that. That's um, and uh, you, you would have seen some, uh, you know, some of that in your time. I'm sure. It's, um, I always enjoy that part with talking to Booster Tutor about uh, when he did the random buy of it was literally that moldy garage, and you know that's that's part of what you know finance is. You know, in a way, it's like you know nothing ventured, nothing gained. You got to delve into those for sure. But um, I don't know. Would you touch those again? Like anything damaged? You're all you're still completely all for it. Uh, everything has a number. Yeah, that's right. Everything has a price. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, what's your time worth exactly? Uh, what was the next one? Video Game Hall of Fame. So, again, it can be one, can be five, whatever. Most Fire Emblem series, not all of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. My favorite, I think my favorite video game I've ever played of all time was Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS. 
Mm-mm. Um, and that that being a, like a pretty kick-ass actual like console, I think a lot of people have overlooked. Or if like people were playing it, they knew about it, but it's like yeah. Oh, you mean like a the series like it's itself? Oh, no, sorry, I mean that too, but like the actual like the console, the three DS. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that For was sure. that was a really important handheld like device. It was great. Yes. Um, Fire Emblem Awakening was like such a special game for me. Mm. Um, it was it was brilliantly designed. It was just like it, it took up so much of my time to like the, all the characters were beautifully crafted, and um, it was just sort of like the pinnacle of the experience. I, I really really love uh, tactical strategy games, like mm-hmm. grid grid based um grid based strategy games, and Awakening was just like the the soundtrack was beautiful. Just everything about it. It was originally intended as like the last game in the series but um as like as mo- the the way money works that it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, like, totally. it was like the best selling of all time for the entire series and they were like hey make another one we want we want money <laughs> yeah which is um, you know the they kind of uh linear paths to most things in life anyway yeah so um, i mean uh probably i mean gen 4 of pokemon is my favorite so you gotta have pokemon in there yep yeah, um, I'm a Gen Four. er I which ones? Gen, oh, I'm not. I'm useless once we get past like Gen Three, Gen Four. Like which ones were which in the games and the context? Because it's like, uh, is that Soul? No, is that Silver? No, Gen Soul Silver and Heart Gold were Gen Four. Um, yeah, alongside Diamond gotcha. and Pearl. Yeah, they were kick ass. Uh, I have. Yeah, uh, still like I. I could fathom all the different Pokemon, and it's like then yeah i kind of lost touch a bit and chesh is the one to kind of usually chime into with the comprehensive knowledge about that but um yeah i felt like that was like just a that was a peak for sure i have a strong grudge against gen oneers <laughs> why I, as in like the, the gen oneers that are like this is pokemon full stop now nah, nothing else matters yeah 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 they're like oh they they ran out of the designs after the first 150 <laughs> it's like do you know what a voltorb is <laughs> it's running it's running out of design it's a pokeball like uh the and uh, the, like the there's a gen 5 pokemon called uh trubbish and then it evolves into garbage yeah, yeah. it's just freaking garbage right but <laughs> like great. like coughing and muck are the same thing yeah exactly and so is grimer and like grimer and wheezing like all of those are just like yeah just crappy purple like poison stuff but like yes. kind of lovely at the same time yeah, um, i mean our we've got a i mean spoiler alert there's there's favorite pokemon that you align with or whatever later on as a question sure. but um there's uh who was it oh um ginger joe last week said you know would love to get a hug from grimer and it's like yeah i never thought about that but <laughs> grimer looks freaking awesome <laughs> or muck but they're like the same thing they're just different different sizes i think I, there's I, uh one of like the uh one of the entries for like pokedex or whatever that was uh Gives the the little lore. I think it's supposed to be like Grimer smells awful unless you're its trainer, and then it smells nice or something like that. Which, um, <laughs> like, that's just Stockholm syndrome, right? It's like bo. <laughs> it's yeah. Like... It's it's like Stockholm syndrome. It's like <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, pretty much. Like, I just learned to love Grimer. Like, it's just like mm, um, I love your scent. Soul Calibur is another favorite series of mine. Oh hell yeah! That played so I am one of the few people who like i didn't play like street fighter or tekken or mortal kombat i was like a soul caliber kid and uh i i think it's just like part of it is by my appreciation and love for like the 3d fighting genre where it's it just feels Mm. more dynamic and more like i guess realistic and in-depth in that like you control like an eight-way directional kind of movement thing yeah yeah um yeah definitely i was top i don't remember my exact peak but i was like top four or 500 north america for soul caliber four 
Dang. I was like very, very good. I, I, I'm an Ivy main. Yep. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, that was my next question too. And, um, you know, that's, that's always like a, as far as I know, my limited kind of soul caliber experience, like a just different flowy kind of way to play, I guess, you know? Yeah, very long range, very tactical and very mm. convoluted combos and stuff like that. But uh, um, I, I got into this argument with a couple friends of mine a while back where, like, I was advocating for, like, 3D fighters, like Soul Calibur, um, over Street Fighter kind of thing. And somebody was like, oh, Street Street Fighter is the better game, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, no, you're wrong. Soul Calibur is good. Like, um they're like i'll fight you over that and i was like oh what are you gonna do i'll move i'll move in a a direction that's not forward and back and then you can't reach me (laughs) you're gonna come get me on your on your d-pad no you're not i'm gonna move diagonally and then you're fucked yeah exactly oh man it's it's, that's that's brought up i'm gonna definitely have to um uh dig up what's what's going on in soul caliber land because i know oh what was it the last one, what came out a few years ago? Yes, it? it was six. Um, yeah, six. I'll have to go I yeah. I played four of the most. Five was, I think, same. Five was okay. Um, but they butchered Tira, who's my second favorite character. Mm. She's the crazy hula hoop girl. That's right. Um, yeah. So they, they butchered her, and I didn't play a ton of five. And then my wife got me six, and uh, I played a good amount of six, but not a ton. I've always um, found it interesting how they 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 manage to latch on to. They'll get just an interesting, you know, uh, ancillary IP of like, hey, it's Geralt, or here, oh here's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like what, <laughs> you yep. know, and and whether they make a splash as the, you know, it's the 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 kind of magic and uh, getting different IPs on board too. It's like, oh, what happens when they become a character that's actually, you know used in competitive players at an issue it's like yeah probably not <laughs> it's probably fine you know who cares like but yeah Et- yeah it was uh it was Ezio from assassin's creed was that's in five, right yeah and yeah. uh 2b from near autonomous was in six i think oh i didn't know that one interesting have they have any of them ever become like i mean i don't know what the meta is like is there ever like a, a pretty much you can use anything you want it doesn't really matter i guess but um you know it's like oh the the objective great way to play is this character uh, I Yoda in Gen- Yoda in four was like the big noob stomper pub stomper kind of like <laughs> if you're bad at the game then like Yoda's yeah, yeah. very good at, against other people who are also bad at the game. You just any um, Gorda them, you know, like <laughs> yeah, 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 and like it was always annoying as like an Ivy player because you can't grapple Yoda. That was like his thing because he's too <laughs> tiny. Um, and ha- like more than half of Ivy's combos involve like chain grapples. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like, it was never difficult because most pl- people who picked Yoda were just bad at the fundamentals yeah. of the game. But it was annoying because I couldn't do my standard gameplay style. So I just ended up like me keeping them at long range and just like stabbing them from across the map. And it was like, this is boring and dumb, but I'm killing yeah, you. Yeah. It's the. Uh, um, I mean, the other the other analog is the odd job in in Goldeneye or whatever. It's just. Yeah. 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 All right. That's it. That's a choice. That's a choice. Where you're just trying to cheese. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, top five gaming things, I'd say it would be. Uh, and I'm not. Ma- Magic is not even close to top five for me. Um, no. Nah. I'd say Soul Calibur, Fire Emblem, Pokemon. Uh, Mirror's Edge has a big special place in my heart again, just yeah. because it's like my parkour origin. Sort of like I, I just loved the the flow of the game and how it looked and how it played. Um, I'd say probably Slay the Spire is my fifth. 
Oh. I don't know if you've played that. Yeah. I have definitely heard of it, and I've seen it pop up a bit. So it's fire. Make sure it's the It is I'm a thinking. roguelike deck builder oh, single-player yeah. card game. It is this very, is very so good. so freaking cool. I've been recommended this for sure. And it's, If you have yeah, not bought I, it, I would recommend buying it immediately. Art style, too, is super, super nice. I love that. Um, I have probably thousands of hours in that game. Dang. All right, getting it for sure. Good uh, recommendation. And that's what this is all about. I love this. It's like, yep, cool. I um, This is, you know, someone's vouching for this and, and seeing what it means kind of has puts in new context for sure. So appreciate that a lot. Oh, no, awesome. no, no. I'll, I'll, wait. I'll cut Soul Calibur <laughs> for RuneScape. Yes. I was going to say you uh, streamed a lot of that on the um, Brainstorm Brewery uh, Twitch for a while there. But um, yeah, awesome. Awesome. And I know that's near and dear in a lot of people's hearts. Um, yeah, next one was uh, recommend us an album of, uh, as if that's it's not specific, but uh, the the musical sense, as Chesh would say, a musical album. Uh, I am, I'm very bad at like just music, <laughs> and like playing music. Obviously, yes, I can't sing or do instruments or whatever. But like, um, I'm also just not good at like knowing music uh but if i had to give myself a favorite genre it'd probably be edm oh yeah yeah fair fair um and that's a th- that's all point everything's horses for courses everyone has their own flavors of music too and that's like it's that triggers certain things for sure uh so my favorite artists recently have been alan walker um aura it's it's spelled mm-hmm. like au slash ra so like the the chemical sort of spelling of like goals, yep, yep. like AU slash RA. So Aura, um, Alan Walker, uh, Kaylee Morg, uh, Hey Violet. Um, uh, I believe that's an answer I know of. Against the current. Yeah. Current, current suite, the, the quiver, if you will. Um, What's that? Are you a, uh, are you a, muse, a listener to music while you're doing parkour type person? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's a I rhythm need, thing, I, I need music to I need music yeah. to train. Like hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh next one was favorite magic art. So uh, you know, you see uh absolute metric shit ton of, of magic cards. Is there anything still despite all that go, well, you know, I still love that art? Uh I have a favorite art slash flavor text combination. There you go. That's a great one. It is this. It. it is C's claim from ninth edition. Ooh, specific. Uh, and, let's have a look. Yeah, was, you have to look at it. I can't. I can't explain it. You have to look at it. Not putting MTG at things. What am I doing? Uh, C's claim, as in, oh, hold on. S E A apostrophe. Yes. Yes. The C owns this. All right. C's claim is one blue mana. One single blue mana for enchantment. Aura, Enchant Land. Enchanted Land is an island. Who's the crazy one now? Question mark, exclamation mark. From Torgal, Mountaintop Boatmaker. Is that the one? Yes. That is excellent. <laughs> this is something I'd totally use, and I've done this effect too in Thardar Adele. You turn oh, things yeah, into like islands. It's, it's fine in command. Like it's usually play like spreading seas because it draws you a card. Um, yeah, or you play right. both or whatever, but... um. I, I just, it's my favorite, like, flavor text <laughs> combination of, uh, you just read it and you're like, oh, yeah. 
Where's where's the Toggle card? We need to get Toggle Mountain Salt Boatmaker. Commander Commander cool. Legends too. He better he better come. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on to Gavin about that one. And because um, I know he talks about uh, who do you want to see, and I'm usually like Uncle Istvan or like uh, who 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 you want to see from um, you know they did like Belby or like uh, all the ones that like Navenral like the they've got an item yeah. named after them. Yep. And I was like, what about, what about Dingus? From <laughs> 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 Dingus Egg and, and, and all that. But um, yeah, no, we want to see Toggle. That, that'd be great. Mountaintop Boatmaker. And we could do the full boat deck finally. Oh, I appreciate that one, DJ. That's excellent. Good one. Awesome. All right. Well, what I'll do, round it out with the... Uh, oh, no. that's No, we've got two more to go. i just get into the uh, end of the, this page kind of thing. Um, next one was, do you have any, uh, any movies you'd recommend that are like your top? So I'm bad with music. I'm even worse with movies. <laughs> like, we're gonna get a we're gonna number, get a stunner out of this one. <laughs> well, I mean, Jason is like the the big movie buff. Like you can name oh, totally, any totally. any movie from any era, and he will know the director and the the, the sixteen most prominent actors in it. Um, and he'll correct you on something with it. And he's yeah, exactly. He does a freaking uh, movie I, podcast. I am notorious for not having seen any sort of pop culture movie um <laughs> like i've seen maybe five total maybe seven of like the mcu movies yeah yeah i know i'm awful with those i just kind of like looked at that wall of content and like nope i just can't start and it's one of those things where like it's on my theoretical i'll get to it eventually but i'll die before yeah. that list kind of thing of like That's i bad. would like to consume all these but let's be realistic here um most pop culture movies most famous movies that i have i've just not seen um, my Christmas present to my wife this past year was watching all of the Star Wars movies with her for the first time. There you go. So what, that was your first time or your wife's first my time? My first time. She's, she oh, was for 10 excellent. years. She's been like, you need to watch Star Wars. You need to watch Star Wars. You need to watch Star Wars. And then yeah, I was like, it. I'm saving this as like a, a tool in my gift giving, uh, <laughs> arsenal. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I had her book like a week off of work and we sat down and watched one Star Wars movie a night for uh every for the a week or so and uh it was fun to like live tweet my reactions to them as like a 26-year-old <laughs> person who's never seen any Star Wars movies and uh yeah. I saw them like in a an order that Twitter rec- Twitter recommended me like the the machete order or whatever Yeah 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 So I I was I like, like it was like I think it was four then one it was like four five then one two three six i think is what we did oh that's Um, interesting yeah yeah and uh then we watched seven and eight i haven't seen nine yet i think we're gonna go i think (laughs) we're gonna watch nine this week uh tonight i've heard bad things about it but i've also like i'm also ignoring every opinion anyone's ever had about star wars well because they're different contexts aren't they like there's someone that's waiting 20 plus years or something for something and then just putting unrealistic expectations on it whatever yeah yeah it's Um, totally different exactly so like my hot take is that like i think all the prequels were better were better movies as somebody who saw them all for the first time this year Ooh, interesting i like it i like it um just as uh, i just felt like the acting and just like the animation and just everything was just like this is cooler Mm, mm. like i i get that like the the four five and six were like groundbreaking for 40 years ago or whatever like i get that in, in context but like as somebody watching all of them for the first time immediately i was like you can't top the darth maul fight that was that was fucking sick yeah like, exactly. that was the you coolest top, moment uh, in the entire series piece of music <laughs> and yeah. uh 
Like, I, I've already gotten into a couple prequel arguments where somebody's like, yeah, prequels suck. And I was like, or there's there's the whole high ground meme, right? Like the the yeah, yeah, yeah. the high and I thought that was like one of the unironically coolest goddamn moments in the entire series. Yeah, you just I mean everything has to become a meme these days and people go, Oh, it sucks and it becomes, you know, they they rid the import like take they suck the importance out of it. Yeah, or, or I mean whatever. like it's like no, it was a dramatic moment. You think about it, it's freaking he just trained this person up and it's just like, ah, oh, I put everything into you and now you're just like you're trying to attack back and I'm like, I'm giving you one last hand and it's like he's he's really freaking upset about it too. Well so and it's like, I I feel like there was a, a big moment that I'm sure somebody has mentioned somewhere on some blog, but I haven't like yeah. delved deep enough into the Star Wars like universe to just read all of the the content or the commentary but like as somebody who again as somebody who is watching it for the first time like and who just saw like episode one days before like that was how he killed darth maul was like he didn't have the high ground and then he did a cool fucking backflip <laughs> and then he beat darth maul and like that was like uh, he right. obviously told Anakin that story. He was like, as they're growing up, he's like, dude, one one time years ago, I did this cool sick backflip when the enemy had the high ground, and then I won all yeah. because of it. And then Anakin was like, I'm gonna do the same to you, motherfucker. And he was like, yeah. Nah, I I'm the master of that move. And then like it was like a big <laughs> a big like uh, Icarus moment, right? And I was like, that was so yeah. goddamn cool. Where like he he thought he could do his teacher's signature move from the Darth Maul fight. And then it He's didn't like, ah, work. Ah, ah. <laughs> they just nedred him or whatever. Like, exactly. And it's like, no, you, you're dead right. I've not even thought about that. And that's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly the same thing. And it's like, or or is he actually trying to pull the wool over his eyes and go, oh no, that's a, oh I I I, I taught you how to do this thing, or like I, I told you that I did it, but it's like and then try and go, no no, but it's all about the high ground, and it's like <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so um, but I mean, Star I Wars movies thing. aside, uh, the probably my favorite movie that I've ever seen is uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Oh, it's not no, a recommendation because everyone's like I, any movie that I could oh, recommend no. you've seen. Like <laughs> that's a good point, actually. It's it's like I think maybe I rephrase that that thing anyway. But it's generally that I just wanted to, um, yeah, something that that kind of uh, was great to you. But yeah, completely agree. And I try and watch that movie maybe once a year or something, and it's just always unreal. Like yeah, incredible movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, watch some Robin Williams movies. I've been on a bit of binge with Robin Williams lately, but um, we'll get into that. But uh, I'm yeah. much more of an anime guy. I'm a weeb. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know it's it, it's a it's an amazing form of kind of um, what do you call it storytelling and everything. Yeah. So if you if you are looking for anime recommendations, I have a spreadsheet I can share with you. But like, I love that's it. not even a joke. I have an anime. A friend of mine was like, "DJ, I need something to watch," and then I made a spreadsheet. So what that's, kind of anime you want? And that's the thing. It's like anime ain't anime. It's like it's, it can be anything. Yes. Like I was getting to uh, what's the one? Mushishi is that the one? It's like the, I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, it's it's about kind of. It's a bit more like about spirits and making sake and stuff. It's like it's very very interesting, but um, no, for sure. Um, next one was uh, yeah, this one as I alluded to, favorite Pokemon. Do you have one you uh, you align with? Uh, my top three are uh, Roserade, uh, probably Electabuzz, and then or Electivire, not Electabuzz. Electivire, Electabuzz is dumb. Electivire is cool. Um, mm-hmm. and then Jigglypuff. Yeah. Are you a Jigglypuff player on? Uh, do you ever play Smash Bros? Oh, you know it. I I am. Yeah. A, I have been a Jigglypuff main since Melee. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's like there's there's something really freaking like uh just worrying when someone's like, Yeah, no, we're all about Julia Buff. It's like, all right, you know what you're doing. It's like you absolutely know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Julia Buff's a beast. Absolute beast. I uh... I just had to look I just had to look up Roserade. I hadn't actually seen Roserade. Something to do oh no, I was like anything to do with like Oddish and those ones and like, nah, this is just talking about flower Pokemon in general. Yeah, Roserade and Electivire, um, one of the reasons Gen 4 is my favorite is because it, like, breathed a new life into previous evolutions. That's a good point, yeah. So there's sure. a lot of Pokemon that were just, like, dead in the water, mm. and then Gen 4 came along, and they gave, like, 20 Pokemon, like, cool evolutions. Yeah, exactly. It was, like, Tang- didn't Tangela get a yep. different one? Tangela yeah. got Tangrowth, uh, Toga- yeah, Tang- Togepi got <laughs> Togekiss, awesome. uh, Magwortar, yeah. Electivire... Rhinon, Rhyperior, that kind of thing. That reminds you, I haven't tried out the uh, the new Snap, have you? I have not. I, it's not my cup of tea, but uh, no, I thought about. I remember it being just, su- uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently it's really good, and I, I remember playing on sixty four. I'm like, why do I want to play a po- a game about you know taking photos of Pokemon? And then like, oh, this is actually pretty fun. And so I imagine the the, the latest one's a bit the same, where you're like it'll, it'll probably it'll find a way to delight you for sure. Yep, love it. Uh, and to round them all out is the uh, the classic one, but um, in a few words, what does magic mean to you? And this will be an interesting one. Uh, I would say at this point, it is a job first and foremost. Mm. Um, and that's that's primarily because like I have mostly like detached the community from like magic, like the ma- yeah. the magic community. Like, there's a lot of obviously goods and bads. Um, but like that's not necessarily what magic is to me. Like, yeah. I think the community would exist without magic. So, like for me, primarily, it's a job. For some people, it's an escape. For some people, it's like this strategic puzzle to solve. For some people, it's a competitive outlet. Um, for me, it's a job. Like I buy and sell yeah, yeah. magic cards as a living, and I have done that for oh, over a decade at this point. Um, mm. And like if. If for some reason I was, like, forced to sell all my cards or, like, get out of the business or move into a different industry, um, I'd probably still have, like, those same four decks I have, but I wouldn't interact with the game on a deeper level than that. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a super valid way to look at it. And that, that's the kind of context I want to get out of this. It's just like, yeah, everyone's got a different relationship with the game for sure. And then also getting comfy with the fact that it's like, guess what? Hey, it's probably good if if if... You know, if any one person is just like, what I like, I've connected everything of my life source to this game in a way that like, this is run by a company trying to take your money. Like it's, you know, that's, that's an, 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 something we just have to accept. And there's going to be reality potentially when the game just dries up and that's fine. Like it's, you know, I had a really, uh, I had a really good conversation with Jason and Corbin on this. It wasn't a conversation so much as a rant as per my MO. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think as prices increase and as you witness, like, the numbers that your collection is worth uh, mm. going up, um, it is well worth, like, it is well worth taking a stock. Um, and it's hard to it's hard to put into numbers the amount of entertainment value you get out of something. That's right, yeah. But it is worth attempting to do so and just compare and contrasting the expected value you can get from your collection um through other games or other media or other entertainment sources because it's it's worth like and again this is going to be different for everyone it's a different equation it's a different 
um just concept of everything um but you can you can realistically put a, a number value on your legacy deck or your x number of commander decks you don't really play anymore and then just view it from a different lens of like other entertainment products and the value you can get out of them um mm. because th there are other games out there that are similar to magic that can that can scratch the same itch they might not um but like they it is worth just dipping your toes into other um i guess more ethically monetized games is the most yes. polite way to put yeah. it no um, i agree i agree we had a conversation about Ruterra earlier. This Legends of Ruterra mm. is the the Riot Games card game that I I've, I've really really enjoyed lately. Um, but if if you have if you're somebody with like five digits worth of money in Magic, you can just sort of take a holistic step back or just interact with somebody who doesn't view the game through the same lens as you and have them recommend uh, just various entertainment products you could just enjoy your time with that. Not even, not yeah. even just like provide you with more entertainment, but like allows you to restructure that financial investment into something that is more sound for your future. Like literally, like and like putting twenty k into your retirement fund or like into a yeah. some form of like structural sound thing that like makes your life more, um, increases your quality of life, like a car or like a down payment on a house kind of thing. And like obviously, yeah. like I. People listening to this are like, oh yeah, duh, DJ, just sell your collection and buy a house, idiot. Like, I I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying like, there's, there's obviously like the whole avocado toast meme of like finances, millennials, etc. But like, oh you yeah, still, oh, regardless yeah. of your collection size, the the numbers are irrelevant. Regardless of your collection size, you can, um, take stock of that and just sort of like, um, especially in an era where like, um, material goods and uh, entertainment products are at an all-time high in terms of, like, options and choices and availability right. for what you can choose to engage yourself with um, compared to, like, the 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 value of, like, things that increase your um, quality of life. Uh, mm. whether, whether it's, like, shoes or just luxury goods or just, like, so, something that provides you a more tangible benefit that's not magic. Yeah, and, and like... I, I I think definitely in regards to time too, like you say, if there's something early on, like even if it is saving for your retirement, that's the type of thing you make impacts now and they mean a hundred grand down the line or something, you know, like, well, I mean, hypothetically, of course, but it's like, that's the way your, your retirement funds work, you know, they, they exponentially kind of grow. And, and if it is, you know, potentially a house, like that's absolutely worth gunning for kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I realize I am the worst possible messenger uh for this message because like i literally buy and sell cards so like it is <laughs> it is it is financially i am financially incentivized to say hey sell your magic cards but like it's yeah yeah i, I think the point comes across no definitely definitely and i i think that's 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 always been a, a kind of uh, a big focus that, as i say that i i want to gather as many of these perspectives as possible especially the ones that kind of you know, as as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes to like look at what the game means to us, and it's like let's be real about it, kind of thing. And there's like, yeah, probably a lot of us could have afforded to, you know, uh, just kind of cut down a lot of stuff and go, well, this is actually what I need or whatever, and you know, maybe put some things into to other things. And and then that contrast is key too. Like that that can actually just make the game more enjoyable when you're not like you know all in on this thing. So especially no, from the context of like. <laughs> like being quarantined for a year um yeah there there's a there's a very high value 
for mental health specifically of just um you, if you can sell some number of magic cards for like a thousand dollars and then just fuck off into the mountains for a week with your friends like that's oh 100 like inv- that's worth more than anything yeah 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 absolutely um especially yeah, like looking after number one is absolutely key on that one too and and that that goes a huge huge way so um yeah great one awesome all right well i think i'm gonna choose uh that as the point to uh to kind of wrap it and call it an episode is nice uh that's been a couple of hours with you it's been good um you know it's it's kind of our flow or whatever i'm glad we didn't do another three and point seven five hour one where uh we kind of <laughs> it seems like there's there's a few of the the folks be it uh, max and dana from um uh cmdr central and and Ginger Joe, they're all in this thing. They're like, and, and the Lexicon guys, they're trying to make, you know, push me to uh, push us to do the longest episodes possible. It's like, yeah, cool, but <laughs> we're going to do some realistically length ones uh, from time to time too. So, um, no, I appreciate it so much, DJ. And it's, it's you know, touched on some really cool stuff and, and you know, got to get into a couple of perspectives I've always kind of wanted to hear from you and, and you know, original stuff. So, um, no, it's been great. But, uh, I mean, where can the people find you if they want to uh, listen to your stuff, if they don't know where you're at already or, or that kind of thing? And, um, yeah, where can they find you uh, on the interwebs? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my podcast, Brainstorm Brewery, is one of the longest-running magic podcasts out there. Um, I think I think we're only competing with limited resources at this point in terms of, like, sheer yeah. episode numbers. Um, maybe Magic Mike's comes close, but... Uh, we got 440 or so episodes on brainstormbrewery.com. Um, you can check us out on YouTube, Twitch, uh, all your various podcasty apps. Um, there, there'll probably be a link. I can send some links in the description. You can find yeah, Spotify, yeah, yeah, Spotify, Twitter, Facebook, all the various. I'll um, make sure it links up. Discord, Patreon.com, slash BSB, all that, all that links and socials and pluggies and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just search hashtag card garden and you'll find me. I, I wasn't the very bad habit of just like trying to explain my Twitter handle because that that's just <laughs> like this. The second, Oh, is a zero spelling X, X, leet, leet. No, I was like, the Oh zeros. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I have a business. Just search card garden. It's easier. Um, <laughs> you'll find me. Exactly. Um, yeah. so yeah, on Twitter at card garden, you can buy or sell magic cards with me. Um, I am a, single person business uh so any support is appreciated in pandemic when i don't have magic mm-hmm. fests or cities to fly to every week um so that's nice uh yeah i think that's it awesome awesome and um yeah you can find uh you can find us uh our website is cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm the twitter is at cmdr underscore crunch and instagram is at cmdr crunch and you can th- you can send thoughts feedback Questions, pictures of cephalids, whatever you feel like, uh, you know, life advice to samdowcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Pictures of and, cephalids, uh, that's... Uh, yeah, I've been running with that one. No one sent us pictures of cephalids. They'll get there. They'll get so there. Um, when my when my wife and I moved into our apartment, um, my brother visited for the first time a few years ago, and then he just like sneak, as we gave him the tour, he just like sneakily put um <laughs> like homerids, like, like homerids. <laughs> From, Perfect. He just put homerids like everywhere, and just the places lobsters. that I wouldn't find them for months. Yes. Um, oh my god, that is amazing. Um, that's so good. Yeah, you probably there's haven't probably found still. I was, I was gonna say there's probably still some <laughs> that I haven't found. Which uh, I hope that when we move out of this place, that somebody else picks up the torch. 
Oh yes, uh, and they're like, "What does it mean?" And, and it'll be on a TV show or something. And they're like, "Oh, I found this. We, we bought this house, and there's like these these twisted, you know, demonic magical cards of you know, <laughs> the the depicting the Homerid invasion of homelands. It seems <laughs> or whatever that was. Apparently, they were the bad guys too, and that uh, like they were pretty pretty twisted pieces of crap. Um, really, I I'm not versed. I don't in- know much about magic law. I really don't. <laughs> I've got a pretty good handle on it from like the Weatherlight Saga. Yeah, like, or yeah, like Urza, stuff, right? like Urza's up to whatever, but um, Fallen Empires and Homelands and uh, what's it, what is it, Shand- Shandalar and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, all of all of that. Um, God, there's one other plane I'm forgetting. Uh, there's like Shandalar, Homelands, Fallen Empires. I don't know the dark. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 the good stuff. But uh, when the cards are weird and uh, you know the the some of them were worth nothing too. But um, get your homerids. I like that a lot. Um, awesome, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the other part, you can find me at Pastor Jam Sam on uh, on the Twitters and the Instagrams too. That was uh, my personal stuff. But, um, yeah, more, more than anything, just follow the podcast. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been awesome, DJ. Uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, head off and, and, and go about your awesome day um, as we, uh, we recorded this, your morning, uh, my night. I think I'm at a uh, comfy spot after just after midnight now. But um, appreciate you making the time. It's been awesome. And, oh yeah, this this was this was perfect. I am a peak I am peak morning person. So uh, yeah, I, I need to get some tips on that. Um, I'm trying now. I'm um, kind of entering a job flow where, where my schedule needs to be a lot earlier, and it's I've kind of just brute forced myself into trying to be one. But there's days where I just can't summon it. So um, yeah, I don't my know. biggest uh, my biggest tip is cold showers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like what's that? The Wim Hof method or whatever it is. The uh, you know that uh, that's that some dude you can you can learn to uh, be more endure like have more endurance and yep. mindfulness or something. That's a whole thing anyway. But they're like, yeah, just sit in the whole the cold shower and you kind of see how long you can resist it. <laughs> Yeah, I have, I've been taking cold showers for about a year and a half now, and it's 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 very good in my opinion. Wow, I dig it. Oh, there, there it is. That's the uh, I usually ask for a little bit of advice to uh, to sign off with, and you've already got it. So um, yeah, no, love it. Awesome. Well, uh, my advice, I guess, will be maybe just uh, just reassess how much uh, your, your magic collection means to you, and, and could you uh, compartmentalize any of that, and um, you know, put it into. Uh, something in life as as dj said and that's that's probably a, a good one to look at so um yeah just do that awesome and i'll uh we'll, we'll catch you probably in the next uh week or two for another commander crunch all-time podcast gonna be good awesome take care folks